This week on the podcast, we continue our 2020 season preview with round one now just a few days away. You're listening to the ESPN Footy Tips AFL Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Sportsbet, of course, uh, our new sponsors. It is good to be back for another episode of the ESPN Footy Tips AFL Podcast. My name is Matt Walsh and I'm joined, as always, Jake Michaels over there. How are you going? Good. We're getting close now. Are you I'm, excited? I'm excited now, yeah. There's something about, I don't know, there's something about late March where... The footy is just in the air. Melbourne's a great place to be. Neil Seawang, I know that you're living in Ballarat these days, but even you must be surely getting into the spirit <laughs> I'm of things. super excited. It's a bit of the calm before the storm, the weekend just gone, but now we're, we're right in, in the middle of uh, round one, so I cannot wait. Also joining us is Christian Jolly from Champion Data. You must be uh, pumped again to get into to working a, a full season with uh, with Champion Data. Correct, yeah. Can't wait. I was just about to say it's uh, going to be uh, interesting 27, 28 weeks. How's the office been up? over the off-season? Are they, are they just preparing themselves for this moment? I mean, obviously there's the, the Marsh series and all that sort of stuff, but this yeah, is when I'll, the real stuff kicks off now. No, nah, as I said, we, so we do AFLW in Marsh series, so I think we've been doing... We've, been in footy mode for at least seven or eight weeks now, but uh, it, again, still the excitement builds. The super coach teams are, you know, all put in the fantasy <laughs> team, so that's that's probably the last minute things, but uh, yeah, ready to go. Uh, if you remember back to last week, we did start our 2020 season preview, looking uh, we're looking through all 18 teams and basically sort of uh, previewing, looking at them and where we think they're going to finish. Uh, and this week, we're doing the second half. Uh, if we look alphabetically, that is, Neil. So we're going to go from Hawthorne down to the West Coast Eagles. Uh, if you didn't listen to that podcast... I think I'll just pull you up there. I think I think actually uh, it's the Western Bulldogs that might be the last oh, team on the list. Um, W-E-S-T. They both start with West. It's such I'm a challenge. Sure. I always forget which one's... But there you go. So there maybe you go. it's not the, good enough. We're not we're not forgetting the dogs. We're not coming back for a once off. They, they could be one of the biggest stories of the year. The doggies. They could actually. We'll get to them. I've got a we've got a couple of predictions uh, about about them later on. But we will start with the Hawks. Um, but as I did say, if you are a fan of any of the other teams, or you just want to go back to last week's podcast, you can of course do that uh, wherever you get your podcasts. But let's kick it off with the Hawks in 2020. Sort of perennially. A tough team to gauge because, and I know Jake won't like me saying this, you can never write off Clarko. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the first note I wrote about them as well. The six, ah, is six, it actually? Well, not, not, not the Clarko <laughs> reference, but they're the sixth oldest team coming into it this year. Third most games experience. They'll, they'll always be thereabouts. The, the Hawks are similar to what Sydney were, you know, across the early 2000s for about 15 years. They, they're always going to be in the mix. Whether they're right at the pointy end, I, I doubt that this year, but they're not going to drop away. Well, they finished ninth last year, so they do have a bit of improvement in if they want to make finals. Uh, but, I mean, as we sort of said last week, the, the logjam between sort of the 7th to 14th positions, Neil, it's, it's, it's pretty intense. It's hugely intense. And I think probably the, the first thing you look at for um, looking at Hawthorne this year uh, would be the Tom Mitchell return. You know, people, he's, I think Jake and I made, make a, 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 made a few jokes in the office recently about he's almost a forgotten Brownlow medalist. You sort of forget how great of a player he was and he looks like he's sort of getting back to, you know, it might take him a while to, to get back into full absolute prime fitness, but... You know, when you're getting one of the best players in the competition back in your midfield, that's that's a big that's a big stepping stone towards improving. Yeah, well, he hasn't. Pl- I mean, he hasn't played a, a an AFL match since he won the Brownlow Medal, so it's a it's a huge, huge bonus. I think it helps uh, O'Meara as well because I think he can struggle at times when he's the the lone hand in there. Um, I'm a big fan of James Warple. I've said it on this podcast a few times. I think he's a future Brownlow medalist. And I don't I don't say that lightly. I think he's an absolute star for what he, what he's actually doing at his age. Um, and what he did, again, with no Mitchell. With Mitchell there, I think that even helps him uh, go to another level as well. I am actually quite bullish on Hawthorne. I think they're going to have a good year. I, I, I Again, I, I agree that there's a bit of a logjam in that middle 
uh, portion of the ladder, but I um, I'm expecting the Hawks to play finals. I'm mm. I'm probably on the other side of the equation. I, I don't think they'll drop right down the ladder, but I I'm not predicting them to play finals. I think even with Mitchell back, their midfield is a little bit thin compared to some of the best teams in the competition. So, uh, <laughs> and we also do always laugh about the Clarkson factor. That's I do respect his ability to get to construct game styles to maximise their chances of winning. Mm-hmm. So that they're they're quite difficult to beat. So I think they'll just be outside the eight. Uh, look. And again, you can't underrate the. I think the acquisition of Jonathan Patton, if he's fit, really. I I think he's a he's a decent player. He's a good kicker, the footy too. Um, and you know, if he can pr- provide forty goals a year to Hawthorne, I mean, Hawthorne you just again, said it though. If he's fit, I mean, that's again, it's like the Danaher thing. Is he going to be fit? I mean, you look at Hawthorne's track record about turning players who weren't fit into fit players, and you know, Omira and um, Burgoynes and these sorts of players. So I think that you can kind of back him into to get him into a good spot. And, I, I and if he the, if he can give him thirty five goals a year, last year. Um, their leading goal kicker was uh, was Luke Bruce, and he only kicked 36, 35 off the top of my head. So, And they finished ninth. So, you know, you get a little bit of improvement. You get um, Mitchell back. All sorts of things that are coming together. I've Mitch got Lewis finishing, is starting to look like a, yeah. a decent target. Uh, I've, I've, I've got him finishing eighth. I think Patton might be more important structurally, having a big guy to kick two at the top of the square than, than his actually output would suggest. I think the game's probably moved past those, those really big, tall guys that aren't that good on the ground and, and that aren't that good pressuring as well. So I don't think he might... I think maybe he'll be good in terms of a structural fit, but I actually don't think he'll he'll dominate it by any stretch. I think there's one name we, we haven't mentioned yet who could be a big difference maker for Hawthorne this year, Chad Wingard. Again, Tom Mitchell coming back into the midfield. We saw Wingard sort of start last year as a, a half forward, went into the midfield and played pretty good footy for the last eight weeks, but we just haven't seen him play with a, a full-strength Hawthorne midfield. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how we go. But the one I looked at also is the defence. So last year they were 11th for points four, but equal third for points again. So basically their success was built around stopping the other team from scoring. Mm. To start the year, I mean, they're going to be about Hardwick and Impey for probably most of the first half of the year. They've Jack lost Gunson Birchall. fit maybe as well? He might not, not Yeah, whether, whether he continues yeah. to play in defence. So they've lost Birchall and uh, Caden Brand's gone up to Sydney. They're going to replace them with blokes like Sam Frost, Hartley, Ben McAvoy is going to play behind the ball. They're sort Fascinating of showing. experiment, yeah. Jack Scrimshaw, who sort of, you know, had a taste of it last year. So again, just... Just the def- changes in defence, which was their strength last year. I've got them still sitting ninth. I can't see him dropping off or improving. I think they'll just have another sort of holding pattern season. Jake? Yeah, I think the addition of, of someone like Mitchell and the reasons I highlighted before is enough for them to climb one rung. Uh, I've got them eighth. Oh, I had them seventh, sorry. I did say eighth before, but I had them seventh on ladder. Uh, so I've got them 13th, Ooh. which is probably lower than most people would expect. But but as we said, I mean, the log jam at that middle portion of the ladder is just going to be, I mean... It was hard There's enough so many, making the ladder yeah. for, for, for these podcasts the, um, that it's, you know, it's tough to predict. Uh, moving on, Neil, your, your mob, the, mm-hmm. the D's, after a, how do you describe last year? Uh, well, when, when you become Dreadful. part of the common <laughs> vernacular, yeah. you know you've made it. So Melbourne, it, now to we're- To do a Melbourne. To do a Melbourne. <laughs> so that's how badly they went. They're now part of the vernacular. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm a reasonably pessimistic Melbourne supporter. I guess having lived through the last 10 or 12 years, you, you have to be. Although, mm. Matt, you're somehow positive about the blues. <laughs> <laughs> Crying on the inside. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm reasonably confident that the aberration, you know, you talk about the aberration, was it 2018 or 19? I think the aberration was 19 for Melbourne. Um, I've liked what I've seen um, structurally in terms of being difficult to score against and having actually wingers yep. this year as opposed to trying to force Oliver and Brayshaw and Jones to try and become wingers, which they can't. Mm-hmm. So the acquisition of Tomlinson and Langdon should really help that. 
So I think I think we'll be in that log jam of teams from sort of six to to twelfth, and I I think we'll I think we can play finals. Yeah, right. Okay. So you think you, they're going to jump straight back into the, into the finals race? I, I think they I think the D's can. Yep. Jake. Uh, yeah. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I still, again, I don't want to keep saying it, but it is. It is. A, it's tight in the middle of the ladder, and it's it's twelfth to to seventh. There's not an awful lot there. Um, I don't think they're going to f- jump up. I, I I agree that last year was a year that was just it was just so unusual to, for a team to to go from go from the top for making a prelim was it to yeah. to um <laughs> to finishing second last on the ladder. So I I thought that was just crazy. I don't see that happening again. But I also don't think that they're going to be rushing to get back into the top four or even finals. I've got them just finishing outside, just behind Hawthorne, who I've got eight. So I've got the D's uh, ninth. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you, Neil. That last year was anything that could have gone wrong kind of went wrong. Yeah. Uh, and I think they've taken. I mean, obviously, not as many injuries or, or surgeries as the were, was well publicised uh, in the off season. I like the Gorn appointment as captain. I think a couple of years ago when they did the whole dual captains thing, when you had Nathan Jones who was doing a decent job, I think that kind of. I don't know. There was something a bit it off didn't about. Didn't quite sit right. Yeah, did it? didn't quite sit well, right. What happened with Port you, as well, didn't it? They've yeah, gone back to the one. Captain and they've gone too. back to the one captain thing. So I really like the Gorn appointment. Um, I'm will, willing to cut the D some slack. I don't. I th- I'm in your boat, Jake, in that I don't think they're going to play finals um, this year. But that's part, in fact, because of of just there are so many teams that could fit into those sort of last two spots. That I'm finishing twelfth, uh, which is still, I mean, five spots up, but. Maybe not as high as what what some might think. Yeah, I got him in a similar spot, tenth. But that's because I started from the top, and I sort of got to tenth and realised I was penciling in Melbourne. Going, I thought they would finish higher, yeah. but I have nine other teams sort of <laughs> yeah. ahead of them. So again, if they got to sixth or seventh, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, at the moment, tenth. When Melbourne had that great run a couple of years ago, were there that many teams, or, or were there as many teams as we have perhaps this year that were as strong? I mean, that's what I've been asking myself. I, I think there's more teams this year than than in 2018 that we look at and say they're probably a big chance of finishing in the top six or seven. I don't see Melbourne as, as one of them. So I've done, in my little list of notes here, I've got sort of little arrows about where I see each team trending, whether it's up or down. <laughs> and from the top of the ladder, I see a few teams trending down. And from the bottom of the ladder, I see teams trending up. So it just means that the, the, the competition's getting tighter as a whole, I think. Mm. Um, Which and is a good thing. It is. And it's such a bloody cliche, but, you know, any team on their day can probably beat anyone else if, if they're good enough. I mean, maybe the exception of the Suns away to Richmond or something like that. But... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like the, the mm. competition's now at a point where the equalisation measures are obviously taking decent effect. You, you, sort of a, a massive surprise to me that they finished 17th because they do have the basics of the game down pat. They, they win contested ball and they dominate time in forward half, so they get a lot of inside 50. So Converting you know, those inside 50s was exactly, the challenge last year. Correct. So the, the strengths are there. So I, again, looking back at their 2018 season, you'd have to say they, they should be able to recreate at least you know some of that form this mm. year because they're still playing that way. And so much hinges on Lever and, and May having invested so much in terms of salary and draft picks for those two two key defenders so if they can play most of the season I'll be a lot more confident uh, we move on to North Melbourne uh, who hired Reese Shaw as their coach uh, halfway through the year when, when Brad Scott departed they Went played on and some, beat the Tigers, I think, the following week. <laughs> they played some decent footy. They really did. Um, and, and honestly, North Melbourne were left with really no choice but other to, to, than to appoint Shaw full-time. Um, but this is where the challenge begins for North. The, the first full year, first full pre-season under a new coach. They finished 12th last year but had some good um, had some good games in the back half. The big challenge for them is if they can sort of maintain that, that style of gameplay and, and continue their rise up the ladder. So the... the the one thing they did do well in the second half of the year, they sort of scored well from turnover, locked the ball in their forward half. So again, you know, played the game on their in their territory. The one thing that they were beaten in was 
They were 12th from scores from clearance differential. So again, that was the one part of their game that was still in the negative four. So I'm looking at blokes like uh, Jed Anderson, Sean Higgins should come back in, uh, Aidan Bonner, Jai Simkin, to give Cunnington and Zeeble their two contested ball clearance winners. I think too much reliance goes on those two players. So looking for some of those fringe midfielders to step up. Mm. Uh, another name I sort of wrote down, Bailey Scott. I think he's become a forgotten player. Um, First, you know, two or three rounds, he was up there to be the favourite for the NAB Rising Star before he got injured last year. So he comes back into the team. And Luke Davies-Uniac, another year of improvement there. So I think it's their midfield. If their midfield group can start to grow together with some of those names, they'll yeah. be better for it. And they got Aiden Bonner from the, the Giants down He's very well. improving, though, isn't he? Only high draft pick. Yeah, yeah. a lot of expectation. Yeah, but, but hasn't done... No, Anything but AFL yeah. Ch- change of scenery always, you know, may help, and yeah, uh, you never know. I mean, worth the risk though. Like they didn't give up much for him, and if no, he's a top sure. ten talent three years ago, I, I'm bullish on North, but they won't make finals. I've got them ninth. <laughs> I think we're we're starting to see a few discrepancies in our predictions here, Matt, because I've got them sixteenth. Sixteenth. Wow, that's, that's very low. Yeah. I've got yeah. them eleventh, just behind Melbourne. I'm not. I'm, I don't like having them 16th because I think they're they're better than that. But they, there is a one and a six next to their name on my sheet, so I've got to go with it. Yeah, I've got I've got them uh, tenth. I I can't see them falling that low. Um, yeah, I just think they're another team in that middle portion again. Where we seem to be, you know, Hawthorne, Melbourne, North. Um, I got a feeling the next team we talk about is probably going to be in the same spot too. But mm. yeah, I, I see them. Um, kind of in that hunt for, for finals throughout most of the year but eventually fall short a game or two They honestly maybe they can surprise us and maybe they you know they can go either way but you know Ben Brown's a, one of the competition's best key forwards he maybe kicks 70 goals and, and tally all Australian selectors <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's a story for another day uh, Port Adelaide is that team you were speaking of Jake uh, last year they were in that log jam of, of teams and they finished 10th um, I mean speaking of a, a club which has kind of had a, a weird year in terms of the off season, uh, the off, weird off five years. They, they, yeah. say, yeah. <laughs> very much. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a big one because Ken Hinckley, uh, if they don't make finals, basically it's been said that he's gone. So Port have a an uphill battle ahead of them. Yeah, well they do. I mean, we saw last year. I think we saw with with uh, Rosie Butters, Dersma. They had some. They got some really good young players, and, and they I, blooded them. Yeah, effectively. Yeah, they were playing throughout the whole year. I I think they're gonna. I think we're gonna see great improvement from these young guys. Um, I I just think there's too many question marks with Port. You know, we we see a lot. We Travis Boak had a good year. We saw him come back and have a really strong year. Robbie Gray always plays well, but I just feel like you know Dixon was kind of like, is he gonna? What's he gonna do? He epitomizes Port, doesn't he? He does. He promises so like, much, but we we talk about key four. We've already spoken in the last week about uh, Joe Danaher and. Harry McKay and yeah, Harry, Harry and um, Patton. I mean, these are the guys that can get injured. And it's like if you if you can get him out there, if 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 Ch- if you told me right now that that Charlie Dixon will play the, every game throughout the season, I would I would be confident Port could play finals. But I just don't see that happening. I feel like he's going to miss games, and their forward line really struggles without him. There's just too many question marks on Port. And in addition, they they lost Paddy Ryder, who, who's been a really good servant for them over a long time. Dougal Howard was a really controversial loss because a lot of fans didn't want to see him go, and some had him touted as the next captain of the club. I mean, he did captain him for one game. Well, to, yeah, when to both go for Jones so cheaply, and, and you know, five weeks after captaining the club, almost it was it was a strange one. Mm. Yeah, so and this is a big year for Port too because it's their hundred fiftieth year, uh, or it's a big milestone celebration. I believe it's their hundred fiftieth, and they're, um, I mean, look. Uh, optics are a big thing for that club, it seems, especially in South Australia. And uh, how they perform is going to depend on a number of things. 
namely the fact that uh, Wines is no, not, no longer captain now. So they've got this, they've gone back to the single captain thing, which is a, a big thing for them. I think it'll help Wines. But, but th- Boke's getting older. Um, Robbie Gray's getting older. I mean, it's it, a lot of question marks, and I don't know where to answer them, but I, I've got them finishing well down. So I've got them 15th, I think. 14th. <laughs> Um, talking about Ken Hinckley before and the pressure being on him, I, I must admit I, I share the same concerns about the inconsistency, you know, quarter to quarter, let alone across the whole season. But mm. I did love the fact that he came out saying we're going to try and win. You know, I'm confident that we've got a team that can win a premiership this year, and they don't look like they're anywhere near that. But I love there's not enough of these sort of outspoken, honest claims that rather than saying oh we're just going to go week to week and yeah. you know try and play our best. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. The last time I think I heard that was Mick Malthouse when he said he can't see Carlton <laughs> losing a game the year before they won four <laughs> the entire year. They can you can end up on egg, with egg on your face. You right? can, but I mean if you're a player and you hear that, I mean that's got to do a fair bit for your confidence yeah. if your coach comes out. You'd and rather says, lay on the line. line. I, I, you know, I've been here for how long's Ken been there? Ten yeah. decade. I mean, you, you've almost like we've got a team that can can win it here. Yeah. You must feel good as a player about that. I mean, we all probably know they might not win it, but still think it's it's better than saying, "Oh, we hope to improve." Yeah. and you know, you know, win more than we lose. You know, that's just fluff stuff. So. so the big thing from Port Adelaide last year, and we talk about, we've said it a few times, most uh, underrated stat in football is accuracy. Um, and last year they were the third worst accurate in front of goal, and they had the sixth highest accuracy against. So again, if we adjusted every game and every team scored at the expected accuracy from where they're taking their shot, Port would have finished fifth on the ladder had every team scored at the at the right accuracy. So again, something I've been banging on about a fair bit in the in this podcast in the previous week. Um, the time in forward half, you know, you want to win that territory battle. They were one of the best teams at it. They, they were the best team at it last year. They were the third hardest team to score against from a turnover. Uh, Richmond and Geelong being the top two. So they've got a really good profile. Again, it's just quarters within games and some mm. certain weeks within seasons that they just, they just stink it up sort of thing. But again, I've, <laughs> I've actually got it moving into the finals. I've got one one change in my top eight this year. I've got Port coming into eighth and Essendon dropping out. So you, you've got them eighth. I'd have fifth, 14th. So I've got them eighth as well. And I feel really bad about my previous <laughs> prediction with North because I'd, I'd struggle to say who's going to be finishing higher out of, you know, who's going to be a better team this year out of Port and North. And I've got Port 8th and North 16th. So I feel a little, <laughs> bit, a little bit bad about that. Maybe the log jam's a bit bigger than we thought. <laughs> Jake? Yeah, i got Port um, 11th. So again, behind, we've been going in order for me. So I've got Hawthorne, then Melbourne, then North, then Port. So yeah, I think I think Port will, be, will miss out. But to say that they're going to go backwards, did we say they finished 10th last year? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, they, I think they, they're going to be what? around the market. They again. could go backwards on yeah. a ladder while improving. I wouldn't like be surprised like... if they f- if they pinched eighth, and I wouldn't be surprised if they fell to sort of thirteenth, fourteenth. So I think they're in that that range. Well, Port have a lot to prove this year. Uh, moving on, Richmond uh, yeah. phew, premiers. What can you say? Don't have a lot to prove, do they? No, they don't. Um, <laughs> Skip Richmond. Let's go to St Kilda then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> around the table, first, 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 and first next um, next club. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, uh, that that would be the expectation. Really, is that you, you don't see them not making the top four next year. They, they had such a, a good year with um, a number of key players out, and we know that Alex Rance isn't coming back for them this year, but um, to, to do it last year when the possibility of him coming back was still on uh, was it was a ma- massive thing. And, and yeah, sure, they've lost uh, Dan Butler and, and Brandon Ellis, but these aren't A-grade names, so the, the core's still intact. And, um, geez, I'm getting scared talking about them. <laughs> well, <laughs> Thursday yeah, night. Thursday night, yeah. I mean, anyone tipping Carlton around the table right now for round one? Uh Probably not. <laughs> so that, that says a lot. But um, look, the, the Tigers are a class outfit. 
very professional. Um, and the scary thing is they're going to get continue to get games into players like Marlon Pickett and Sydney Stack who have played a handful of games each, and they're still going to be just as scary as what they were last year. Correct. And we, we sort of talk about, you know, they have a game style that you can identify, the handball, the surge forward, but they've won two of the last three premierships. In 2017, they won because they were the best team at scoring from forward half, starting in their forward half scoring. Last year, they won it because they were the best team at scoring from the back half. So I think they were mid-table from forward half but the best at actually taking it end-to-end and scoring. So they've, they've won the premiership two different ways. They're, there's the, the age profile. I think they're still... They're, I think they're yeah, the 10th oldest list, so they're not even in the top eight for huh. you know the oldest list. They're, they've got a, a bright four or five years, you would think, ahead of them. Can We're predicting ladder positions, but it's also worth noting that the two premierships Richmond have won in 17 and 19, they didn't finish top either no. of the years. So it's not even as if they need to finish top to do it, which is the other scary part about it. Can anybody see any flaws or any concerns about you know Richmond heading into this year maybe I mean the only thing really would be something like just complacency where, where you get to the point where they feel like well we've done enough but I just don't see it I feel like they're going to be hungry to, to win because a lot of players have missed out on through whether it's injuries or just the competitiveness for a spot in their best 22 so I think they're, they're quite hungry and you see it they're a close bunch of, of players mm. if Dustin Martin can actually try I mean we see how good he is in finals and when he wants to be but if he actually wanted to go 100% every game. I mean, he would just... He, I mean, he's unstoppable when he's going 75%. Can you imagine what he's like if he was 100% every week? <laughs> the, lead, the leadership from, from the top down. I mean, yeah. the, the CEO, president, coach, captain, leadership yep. group. I mean, it's, they're, just, they're just almost faultless. If I did have to nitpick one thing, uh, under some lights, fluorescent lights, the yellow's a bit too fluorescent <laughs> for me. If they could tone <laughs> it down... That's their biggest weakness, is it? I mean, that just about, it just about <laughs> really is, isn't it? I mean... They're such yeah. a professional outfit. Um, they play. They play well. They play hard. They play tough. They're well led. They're good in the wet as well. <laughs> However, I, I have them finishing second. So, Ooh, <laughs> there you go. interesting. Have you announced who you've got at number one no, yet? No, I haven't. okay, no. interesting. I've got them first. Yeah, I've got them first. Yep. I also have them second. Mm. So I think we're um, on the same page here, on the same. Way yes. Um, I haven't seen yours, but yes, I have them second, and and it's purely because I don't think I think Richmond know. I mean, of course, they'd rather finish first than second or or fourth, but. I just think they know that they can um, that they can win it, but they don't need to finish top. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm predicting an injury here and there. To Trent Cochin's getting older. Dustin Martin probably will take a game off. Um, who knows if Jack Rewald is fit throughout the whole year? I think they'll have a few injury battles again, like they did last year. So um, I'm I'm expecting them to, to yeah, finish second. Hmm. Interesting. Well, uh, St Kilda had probably one of the most uh, adventurous off seasons acquiring any number of players and, and not really uh, giving up too much in return. They finished 14th last year. Brett Ratton's at the helm. Uh, are we all bullish on the Saints? I am a little bit. I mean, again, I have, I've only got them 12th, but again, that was similar to what I said about Melbourne before. I started listing it from the top down, and yeah. when I got to 12th and realised St Kilda wasn't in there, I'm like, I, I could, could see them probably getting to 9th and 10th at the best possible. I can't see them sort of getting finals, but correct. I've taken a look at their, their off-season recruits, and what they've brought in, Just it just... It's their, It's what they needed to bring in to sort of, you know, cover a few holes. So Brad Hill, they brought in elite metres gain and score assist player off the wing. Zach Jones, who will probably play off the other wing, is above average in those same two stats and an above average contested possession winner. So I look at Zach Jones, I think he can play that Mitch Robinson type role that we saw for Brisbane. A little bit outside on the wing, but a little bit of toughness on the inside at the same time. I like that. Mm. Um, Ryder brings almost a goal per game, and he's still above average for actually winning a hit out. So the biggest thing for him is he's going to give Rowan Marshall a chop out. Mm. Um I haven't been convinced with Roel Marshall as a forward in the preseason. Yeah. That, that's more of a, a bit of an issue. But again, he won't have to be rucking 100% by himself, so that can only hold mm. him in good stead with Ryder giving him a chop out. 
And then looking at Dan Butler, who across the last two years has been an elite sort of pressure player in that forward half. So they've they've brought in good ball movers, you know, a big body to help their young ruckman and a good forward half pressure player. So again, yeah, their, their off season only says that they're trending upwards. Yeah, I mean they lost Blake Akers, um, Josh Bruce, and, and Jack Stephen. But but as you said, that the players that have come in. Uh, probably more than cover for it. Um, I really like Ratton as an operator too, as, as a coach. I know it's mm. been a while since he was a head coach, but his style of play back when he was at the helm of the Blues was very free-flowing uh, attack, attack, attack. So maybe Very that... stiff to lose his job. We've said this a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. How many years ago How many years ago was this? <laughs> and we're still a bit bitter about it. Um, but yeah, I, I've got the Saints finishing 10th. I think, geez, they, they could sneak into the fight. I mean, I've got the bottom two spots um, uh, in the eight are Geelong and Hawthorne for me, but like, you know, North and Kilda, ah, flip a coin really mm. uh, they could make finals um, given what they've got on the park I've got them exactly the same as you I've got them 10th and one name we haven't mentioned is Max King he's oh. not he's yet to debut to, how do I forget to mention him <laughs> but the, talking about the prototype um, very tall key forward who's really good below his knees um, and he can mark it and a beautiful kick for goal as well so if he can actually reproduce his Marsh Cup form or Marsh Series form in the actual proper games, mm. I think he'll. I think he's going to be a really exciting one to watch. And and when you stick him in that forward line, and then you do have a resting ruckman, whether it's uh, Marshall or Ryder, Tim Memory's still down there. Jack Loney can kick goals. Um, Gresham, uh, you know what? The Saints forward line, oh, I like it. <laughs> Bruce isn't a huge loss. Uh, I think you're. you're, overrated. you're, you're I think you're overrating the Saints just oh. a just a tad. Maybe I got, I'm getting swept up in the. I've oh. got them thirteen. I, I. Are you seriously saying that this, you like the Saints forward line? I do. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's it would a, not a be in the top 12 forward lines in the comp. Not established, no. But if you look at what the parts of what they've got and they're bringing them together for the first time this season, there's a fair bit to be excited about. Oh, there's some decent players there. I like Gresham, but I, I just don't think... Nah, I, I, there's no way they're, they're going to be challenging for finals. I, don't, I can't see it at all. Where do you have them, sorry? 13th. Christian? 12th. So you and I are yeah, the most competent. Yeah, 10th. There we go. We shall um, see. Bit of lively we'll debate on that one. to revisit that one. <laughs> uh, th- this team I'm really interested in, uh, Sydney... Uh, they missed finals last year for the first time since 2009, off the top of my head, uh, and then we're back into the finals the very next year. They missed finals last year, but I can't see them making finals this coming year either. Yeah, I'm sort of with you on that. So by the end of the second half of last year, they were playing most weeks as the youngest team in the competition. So sort of when when we mentioned about Hawthorne, and I sort of said that Sydney of the early 2000s is what Hawthorne's like now, I think we got to you know we got to forget about Sydney being that that always thereabouts and, you know, being an experienced team. They're, they're a young team now. I think they're in a rebuilding mode. The one positive I do look at, though, is, I mean, they're two academy players that they could draft at the end of this year. Could be picks one and two in the draft. That, that's how good they are. So if they can get their hands on those two kids, Errol Golden and Braden Campbell. Uh, good you know, timing then. To... It's, it's a, exactly. It's a great off-season to sort of bottom out. You know, if they got Joe Danaher as free agent, as a free agent, they obviously, I, I would expect them to go hard for him again. So, again, it might be a down year for them this year. But, again, I think it's going to be a year that they need to have just sort of bottom out. But I don't think they'll be on the bottom for too long. And I've actually got them on the very bottom mm. this year. Oh, wow. That would be tough in the Sydney market to have a team that, that finishes bottom because you know how much they... That, that's the added sort of... Uh, variable, isn't but it? But if you're saying that... it might be just for one year and then they rise, they springboard back up, then maybe it's not not a disaster. Oh. I, I've got them close to the bottom. I think I've got them 15th. Um, I, I'm concerned about the, the pace through the midfield. Um, I think they've got a couple of beauties um, in Blakey and Heaney, who I really like. And you know, if they've got a couple of jets coming through in the draft, then I can see them possibly you know, springing back up. But this year might be a, a really tough one for and them. And I'll even add, they're two draftees this year. They're two top draftees. Dylan Stevens should play midfield this season. He's sort of... He's, 
he's a quite a dynamic midfielder in terms of he could be a good inside player or a good outside player. And Will Gould across half back, he's just he's a fella. Shannon Hearn clone, and he's he's ready to go. So we've yeah. already seen him lay one big hit in the uh, Marsh <laughs> series. But I think yeah, I think those guys are ready to make an impact straight away too. What about you, Jake and Matt? Where are you in agreement with us? Uh, I am. I've got them, them. I'm just looking at my ladder now. I've got them 16th, only ahead of Frio and the Suns. Yeah, I, I don't see it from from uh, from the Swans. I think where you've, you guys have highlighted the, the many questions on them. Uh, their forward line, there's not much there. They were struggling to score last year. The midfield, again, again, it's the same sort of thing. They're better players are the older players who are starting to miss football through injury. Um, I really like Heaney. Heaney's one of my favourite players in the whole comp to watch, but um, whether you play him as a forward or a midfielder, that's a, that's a question. Um, and yeah, I think I, I think there's I think like Christian said, I think it might be a year they bottom out. But if but if they had a bounce back the the following year through through the draft and potentially Danaher as well, I don't think it's disastrous. No, I don't. I don't think so either. I think you got you've just got to take this year. I think the hierarchy needs to look at it and go. There are more benefits for bleeding the kids. Into the into the squad and, and, and taking a year just to take stock, uh, because you know if they don't and they try and sort of go hell for leather this year, it might backfire on them. I'm seventeenth. Uh, I'm not sure what Buddy's output's going to be like this year. I, I hope that we see some glimpses of Buddy's best. You know, you know, it's how how difficult it is for fans to see champions go on a season or two too long. Yep. And you, you sort of forget what they were like at their best. I hope he fires a few shots this year. I may get it big on my face, but but I could see that being this year for him. Yeah. Um, so I mean, look. At the end of the day, what like, was it? what's that? You can see this. I can year see being this year a... being the the year where you sort of think Buddy might have gone one too many. He's a, he's, he's, his yeah. body has let him down consistently. You could, you, could, um, you could go close to saying it last year, and, but I mean, yeah. And the way he plays too, he he's not the type of player who can sort of you can go and play and he'll become your second or third forward. You just get him through games. If he's going to be put out on the park, mm. you know he's going to be getting up and around 50, yeah. 60 from goal using that explosive pace. Again, yeah, there's got to be a lot of a yeah. lot of worries. And I know the, the whole ten-year contract things hanging over his head and the head of the Sydney hierarchy at the time who made that deal. It's not but his concern. There's, there's, <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, you can sign a ten-year deal and it guarantees that you'll be at that club for the rest of your career. If that career ends after seven or eight years, so be it. I mean, well, the salary cap hurts from it. So I've got. I know potentially, but they would have known that risk, and they would have yeah. known that in ten years, so ten years ago, or whatever it was, eight years ago, and they're down the track eight years. A million dollars a season isn't that you know? Mm. It's not as as impactful as it once was. So, um, but we've all yeah. got them in bottom four. Yeah. Interestingly, we have uh, harped on about the Swans a, a bit long, but yes, we um we do have them all down the bottom, uh, from the bottom to probably somewhere near the top. Uh, the West Coast Eagles uh, finished fifth last year, made a decent fist of it, beat the Bombers in that first uh, week of the finals. Crushed them. Well, yeah, at home, you probably kind of expect that. Um, and honestly, that's what I expect throughout the year is that the note that I have here, they've got 11 games. At, well, they'll have 12 because they'll play Freo at least once. Um, they'll have 12 games at home and, and that'll just about get them into finals if they can nail those. So. And they have started playing much better at the MCG as well, importantly, in the last three or four years. And there's a bloke called T. Kelly who's joined the, the, the fray as well. Yeah. And Nat Nui looks like he's going to be fitter. He, how good was that? Did you see uh, a couple of weeks ago in the Marsh series when he... he tapped the ball down and, and followed it up and just burnt everyone off in the midfield. The nickname of old that was. Oh, it was outrageous. But anyway, um, yeah, it's hard to sort of see them going anywhere uh, lower than what they finished last year. They finished fifth last year. So I've got them top of the ladder, basically. I think they're going to be the team to beat uh, throughout the home and away season at the very least. Finals is a different story, but they'll they'll finish the season at number one. I've got them a little bit lower. I've got them actually got them seventh. Um, but mm. again, I, I would predicted to be probably two games at the most between seventh and third or second this year so 
not a long way off. But again, they're they're an interesting one. They they continue to sort of well, they'll buck the trend of the premiers. So they're doing the complete opposite to Richmond. That they were the only team that were actually in the Kick negative mark. for handball meters last year. So every team at least gained some meters. I think across the whole season they lost two hundred meters from their handballing. So they usually turn around, handball to someone behind, and then kick forward long down the line. Um, we're sort of seeing a lot of a lot more short kick short kicking and keepings off the Collingwood and GWS game styles. Again, West Coast backed themselves to go long down the line. Um, but again, they, they, they play to their strengths. Across the across the Mars series, there wasn't too many surprises. The top-ranked players, Gaff, Yo, Sheed, Tim Kelly, who's a new one, Shuey, Hearn. So they're not going to surprise. And again, I, I sort of wrote seventh next to them, but thought, geez, that, that could have easily been a three next to them as well. Mm. I mean, everyone's assuming that the, that the Tim Kelly acquisition will take them from fifth to possibly you know being the team to beat or, or playing in a grand final, and, and he should, but... Uh, I've got them just above you, Christian. I've got them at fourth. Um, I didn't think they looked great through the preseason, and I know that you know we've discussed ad nauseum how hard it is to really learn lessons from the preseason. But they didn't look dynamic. They didn't look cohesive. Um, and I've got a few concerns about some of their best players being a little bit older. Kennedy and and Hearn and even Nick Nat looks dynamic still, but you never know about him. So they could easily win the premiership, but I, I do have them fourth at the moment. Uh, I really like Darling. I think Darling's. I think that concern about Kennedy um, it's possibly is possibly fair. Is valid, but I also think that Darling probably this year becomes their their key, their number one forward. Um, Nat Nui again. Who knows if he stays fit or not? If he stays fit, they're going to be they're going to be really tough to beat, especially over there. And that's that's the same mentality I always take with with the Eagles. Is that they're going to they're going to win probably eleven of those twelve games? You would think. Uh, over over in Perth, so they they can pick up three, four, five on the road, and they're uh, they're top two sort of thing. So yeah, I've got them top of the ladder this year as well. I think they're going to be minor premiers, and I think they will. Uh, I think they'll at least get to a prelim, um, if not a grand final this year. They're going to crush a lot of teams in Perth, aren't they? Yeah, it's going to be a <laughs> bit of a bloodbath. But uh, and we come to our final team on the list, uh, the Western Bulldogs. I almost forgot them in the, <laughs> in the intro, um, but look. They, um, they're an interesting side to me. I rated the dogs last year and said they would make finals, and I was poo-pooed by some. Um, <laughs> looking, at, looking at Jake. <laughs> I'm looking at Jake. Uh, and you know what? They, they, I think they surprised a few, but that midfield core is, is really impressive. They made the best with what they had up forward. Um, the back line's been strengthened now as well with the acquisition of Alex Keith. And, um, geez, they could, they could even move further up than, than what they finished last year, which was seventh. So Yeah, and showed some great signs last year, but also showed some lapses. So again, looking at their record against the top eight teams, like all the fellow top eight teams last year, they had a five and five record, so 50%, uh, but scored 90 points per game against those teams and had a final percentage of 112%. When you look at against the bottom 10 teams, they were seven and five, so more wins than losses, but 86 points per game, so scored less against the bottom 10 teams and finished with a percentage of 103% from those. So they actually performed better against the top eight teams in the bottom 10. They've just got to sort of eradicate those lapses from their game, and they'll be fine. So again, I, I can't see them dropping out of finals. I've, I've moved them up to sixth. Um, but yeah, as I said, just last year, it was just some game. I mean, they lost to Gold Coast and Carlton, I think, you know, in the first... Inconceivable, isn't it? Yeah, first half of the year, I think Carlton was but, mid-table. You know, so the, win those two games and then move another two positions up the ladder. Oh, for sure. But flip side, I mean, wins against the Giants, the Cats, who are the minor premiers, and, and Richmond, who won the flag. So Correct. They're, I the, mean, <laughs> they're the size that you like to see, yeah. Yeah, probably a bit more consistency is what we want to see from, from them. And But but like I said, there's the McRae, Hunter, Bontempelli, 
Um, Dunkley. Dunkley. Midfield stacked now. Uh, and it's just like that they, they did on the offseason. They went and got um, Josh Bruce and Alex Keith and, and hopefully a bit more firepower at either end to, to complement what they have in the middle. I find them so intriguing. And, and a huge strength of them is when they get that manic intensity and that pressure around the ball. And I don't think there's any other club in the league that relies, like wins and loses games through that manic intensity. And when they're on, they, as you said, that they can beat the best teams in the comp. But when they're, when they're a little bit off, it seems they can drop those games as well. So it's not like, mm. it doesn't appear to me that they've got a structural strength that can sort of outmaneuver rival teams. It's more that that deep midfield, and if they're all absolutely on, that they can that they can beat anyone, and they just need to bring that more consistently through the year. Well, to that point, if every team's playing at their absolute best and at their limit, are the dogs a top three or four side? Yeah. I'd say so. Maybe not that high, but I've, well, I mean, I have them sixth, and I think that that's a fair representation. If they, I think, if they finish, I think we've been copying. I've got them sixth too, but I, I agree. I, I think, I, I, I know what you're. I completely agree with what you're saying, Neil. I, I think that if they're, um, when they're, when they're playing good football, I think they just have a big. I, I liken them to the Giants. I think they have a big discrepancy between their best and their worst. Mm. Um, and when they're at their best, kind of like the Giants, they just look like, how do they ever lose games? And that's well, that, that's what it was. And it wasn't that long ago, 2017, that the, their finals was them at their best every single week. And, mm. you know, they just kept causing upsets and won the flag. Uh, there's there's not a lot of changes from that 2017 grand final side. 616. So, yeah. Sorry, 2016 yeah. grand final side. So, yeah, there's, they're, you know, they're not going to... Again, at their best, I, I would say they are in the top three or well, four teams. That was such a young side when they won that flag. They still uh, are young. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. So you, that that was sort of my rationale last year, and and this year they're all a year older, more experienced, entering their prime. So, yeah, I mean, sixth might even be a bit low. Maybe they could be a smoky for a top four finish. You know? Yeah, I've got them fifth. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they're top four as well. And I'm I can't wait till Friday night when they play Collingwood as well. Oh, Two teams that oh we boy. probably all assume that's going to be in the top five at, at the very least. Or you guys have just picked them six, but you mm. know, right in the pointy end of the mm. ladder. So. Um, I've got no idea who I'm going to tip at this point, but that's going to be super interesting but, to see. I mean, that, that's just round one in a nutshell, though. It's coming up. I think mean, we sort of laughed earlier at Carlton Richmond. I don't think anyone's tipping Carlton, but go through the the next eight games, and it's you know, it's it's a big start to the season for a lot of those teams. Mm. You know, one of the games I'm looking at that might not get the most exposure: Gold Coast Port, Gold Coast at home against Port, who we sort of said we don't know where either of them are at. Mm. That's a big game for both teams, and it, it just flows the whole weekend. I think. I think I'm just getting ready for footy. I'm just excited. <laughs> yeah, I've got a big too. smile on my face. Um, it, it's it's time. I mean, and and hey, if you haven't lodged your tips, the Footy Tips app, all new this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is ready to go. So make sure you you, you log on and, and do your tips. And Jake, uh, as you were the winner of the overall competition last year, I know you've got something to prove and and try and back to back. Yeah, you, you actually won a trophy. There's a physical trophy. I have. Uh, I won a trophy. <laughs> uh, it's sitting on my desk. I've actually won it. Twice. Oh, oh here we go. Oh, here we go. <laughs> dynasty. We got a Jack Michael's dynasty happening. Well, here. we figured for the first round at the very least, we'll see how we go. We might actually throw it over to you and let you can let us know who you've tipped for round one, uh, and the punters at home can get a leg up. Just copy and paste. Oh, <laughs> oh he doesn't want to give away his no, secrets. I, Look I, at him. I won't be doing it. I'll, I'll give you my my. I'll give you the Richmond Carlton tip. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what, what that's going to be. Yeah, no, I um, I'll have to go through a little bit, little bit closer to the to the matches and have a bit more of a look. But well, maybe late, we can. are going to be what, yeah. uh, having a, a big play on how, who you tip. Well, round one's really hard. I mean, for obvious reasons, round one is is difficult. That's why um, our good friends at Sportsbet probably <laughs> make a little bit of money round one because there's so many upsets that can happen. But um, yeah, it, it's it's so hard to pick round one. I think last year the 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 person in our office of 100 people that got the round one, the top uh, score in round one was just someone that just went 
home away, home away, home away. So it was just, it's kind of like you, you just don't know the first couple of rounds until you get into a bit of a pattern and then you can start predicting a little bit easier. But um, yes, I'm going to keep my tips to myself. <laughs> you copied me with my ladder here, so I don't you copy me. I have done absolutely no such thing. Uh, well, uh, look, we're counting down uh, to the first bounce Thursday night. So thank you very much for joining us on our 2020 season preview, which has been brought to you by Sportsbet. Uh, and we'll speak to you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Footy Tips AFL podcast.